0: And by Schuert & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
1: From Café Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style.
2: Hi, I'm Eileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. For the last couple of hundred years, we've been making food in Acadiana that tastes totally different from anything you'd find elsewhere in the world. But, with the notable exception of New Iberia's Tabasco, which is a hugely successful international brand, it's only been relatively recently that Acadian food manufacturers have tried exporting our tastes beyond the borders of Louisiana. My lunch guests today have companies that are taking basic tastes from our everyday Acadian menu and selling them successfully across the country. Crispy Crunchy Foods sells fried chicken that Neil Onabain perfected and sold in his local convenience stores in the early 90s. 17 years into his Acadiana convenience store chicken sales, Neil thought that maybe people in convenience stores in other places in America might also like his fried chicken. It turned out he was right. For the last few years, Crispy Crunchy Foods has been one of Acadiana's most successful companies with annual revenues well north of $100 million. Neil, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Five or six years ago, Acadiana cousins Colin Cormier and John Peterson launched a line of soft drinks based on a branding idea that was really nothing more than a local potton. swamp pop. That's only funny in Louisiana because outside of here, most people don't know that swamp pop is a type of music. And when you think about it as a brand, putting the word Swamp on a bottle of colored liquid doesn't make the average person in another state necessarily want to drink it. These were all lessons that the Swamp Pop entrepreneurs were to learn over their first five years in business. Today, John and Colin have more than succeeded in educating non-Louisiana drinkers, and Swamp Pop is on shelves and tables in all kinds of places across America, including at Cracker Barrel, coast to coast. Swamp Pop's John Peterson... Welcome to Out to Lunch.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here. You just cut right to some deep truths right there real quick. That was good.
2: We like like (laughs) to get straight to the point. Neil, Crispy Crunchy Foods has what it seems to be a unique franchising business model. Normally with a franchise like McDonald's or Subway a person setting up a new store has to buy into the franchise but you don't charge the convenience store owner a penny to set up crispy crunchy franchise and unlike other franchises the convenience store doesn't even pay crispy crunchy a penny in royalties or a percentage of their sales Instead, Crispy Crunchy collects a commission on sales from the suppliers like Tyson Chicken and Cisco, who sell franchise holders stuff like breadcrumbs and paper plates. So there's totally no risk for a convenience store anywhere in the country to get into the Crispy Crunchy fried chicken business. And from your side, you only have to collect money from a small number of large, well-known companies rather than a large number of small stores. This is pretty genius. Does anyone else do this? Did you invent this?
1: Well, more and more people are doing it all the time, I'll tell you, because the business model has worked extremely well. You know, I can only imagine having hundreds of trucks every day loading up and going out to various independent convenience store Because you have like 2,200
2: stores now?
1: 2,300 as of this month. And so uh, the 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 model, um, as I thought about how to get I having been in the convenience store business all this time, I said, you know, there are too many v- uh, vendors delivering already. Why would I want to be another one that every operator dreads when they show up on the lot? Because so many things can go wrong. So I said, why don't we get one of these distributors to distribute for us? Now, that brought on a whole other series of problems, and we deal with that every day. But at the end of the day, we were able to grow very, very quickly because we didn't have to build a fleet of trucks. We didn't have to go out and borrow a bunch of money to do that. Um, and we were you the make... first
2: people to have a model like this.
1: As, as far as I know, yeah. I mean, I don't know any... Yes. What... Yeah, you know, but it was it was a no-brainer for me because I had been on the other side. And of how fence. did you
2: persuade Tyson, Chicken, and Cisco to to join in with this plan? It was
1: not easy. We had to do everything by hand. We didn't start out buying from Tyson. We started out buying from local uh, uh, poultry uh, distributors and marinating by hand. And until we got to a point where the volume was was large enough, I'll never forget my first call to Tyson Foods to ask them. If they would, if, if they would uh, produce our brand for us and marinate our product for us and so on, and did and you guy, know them already, or did no, you just call them up? No, I didn't know. I just call, got somebody on the phone. I, d- I said, "Let me talk to the uh, director of sales." You know, and Tyson University up in Northwest Arkansas. Tyson's 125,000 employees. You know, and I'm this guy from Lafayette at that time, calling just out of nowhere. And when I told him what I wanted to do, he said, Neil. And he kind of had that Northwest Arkansas playing to him. He says, Neil, you got to, we have to have 25,000 pounds to make one run. I did. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, I'll call you later. <laughs> so, and I continued to remind him of that as we grew. And how
2: long did it take you to reach where it you needed to be It took a couple 24?
1: of years. And then he called me. And it was the same thing with, with Cisco. You know, we were hanging our shingle all over stores in South Louisiana. And Cisco was trying to move into the convenience store. Arena because food service was growing; it was getting to be a bigger thing, and they were in restaurants, hospitals, schools, so on and so forth. So they they had one particular individual at Cisco that wanted to to to, to deal with that endeavor, and everywhere they went, that that had a crispy, crunchy logo hanging, the store owner would say, "We can't buy from you. We've got to buy from the designated supplier." So the Cisco guy says well I don't think so who is this guy so one day the phone rang and it was the president of Cisco New Orleans he introduced himself and I'm doing it
2: and the rest is history <laughs> and
1: the rest is history yeah for sure. John
2: you and Collins launched Swamp Pop a few years ago but it- already seems like it was a different era. You started up at the same time as a wave of craft beers, rum distilleries, new hot sauces, and the birth of local entrepreneurship incubators. Today, with that first flush of entrepreneur excitement behind you, you're now business guys running a soft drink company. You're up against giants like Coca-Cola, fads like coconut water, and flavoured water like La Croix. One of your very Louisiana adaptations to this competition is to come up with unique ways of mixing your soft drinks with alcohol. you created a family of cocktails that you've called Poptails. The Sunburn. John,
1: thank you. <laughs>
2: the Sunburn Mimas. Marie's Magic Melon Rouge Shandy, and others. Obviously, this is a major differentiation from the likes of Coke and LaCroix. And it plays into that whole Louisiana vibe of good times. How do you measure the effectiveness of that sort of marketing?
3: Oh, that's a good question. Um, there's no there's no special way to measure to measure that. Um, one thing that you can do is you can you can follow the lead of the folks who have the big metrics, and you can hardly go into a bar and not see a co branded Jack and Coke sign. Um, so they are doing that to to an extent, and our hunch tells us that people want new things to mix um, into their rum or their gin or vodka or whatever they're drinking um... so it's another angle for for us Um, not everybody drinks soda every day um, but some people who don't drink soda every day like a cocktail from time to time and if we can give them something so that it can be unique or a little different than the last one they had then we feel like that's an angle that's at least worth exploring and giving some options Yeah, all those cocktails that you were naming are those poptails are uh, customer-generated. I mean, those are customer ideas. We did a contest with Gambit in New Orleans a year or two ago, and those were generated by, by customers. So it's kind of cool to have that sort of input from them.
1: You said people don't have want to have soft drinks every day, but people that drink have a drink every day. I mean,
0: you know, <laughs> we don't want to. You can call Spain, Spain, that, right? Yeah, yeah. So
1: now you mix it. You pre mix. I mean, it's ready to go. They, it, and they, you they never just, pretended
2: right. that your your product was low calorie or healthy or meant for everyday consumption.
1: No, yeah, and that's actually
3: something we've been specific about in in the other direction. I mean, I th- I think. Over a few decades, the large beverage industry has moved towards tweaking their beverages to encourage people to drink it more more and more. I mean, they have shareholders to keep happy and growth that they have to hit every year. And we're not beholden to those things. I mean, we can um, we can kind of go against the grain and say, we just want to be unapologetically delicious, um, hold nothing back, and be a treat. I mean, this is a treat. And, and that's the way it used to be enjoyed. And we want our product to be enjoyed that way again, like you used to go to a, you know, a soda jerk and and, uh, and have a treat as if it was a, a bowl of ice cream or something. Um.
2: And Neil, is it the same uh, for you with?
1: Delicious.
3: I, with, I like that. Is it the same
2: with you with fried chicken? It's not the healthiest thing in the world.
1: Well, that, that's true, and and, and uh, you know, everyone knows that everybody loves fried chicken. You know, things get bad raps along the way, but when people tell me, you know, it's not the healthiest thing in the world, my response automatically is, a two-piece dark once a week is not what's going to kill you. (laughs) So, uh, and it's true, it's all about portions and, you know, how much you consume for whatever it is. But at the end of the day, we do do introduce, and we've introduced a lot of different um, products um, we're in the process of developing, should I say, lower-cal or calorie-conscious products that are, you know, like the boneless products, uh, the, the tenders and wings and things like that. That, And now that we're required to rep- uh, post-calorie uh, the content, we're very conscious of those numbers and we do everything that we can to get them more manageable so that pe- it, 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 people are uh, just a little uh, more... Uh, to the consumer. And just like
2: John was saying how his customers influence what they, they market and come up with these names, yeah. you allow your convenience stores to give you suggestions back and also to sell their own stuff alongside yours.
1: Well, that's true. And I mean, you know, everyone, we, we surveyed a store recently um, that we opened uh, in, right down the road in Maurice, trying to get a, a, a handle on how, how much fountain syrup moves through a convenience store before we bring chicken in and after. And it was unbelievable. They pulled the numbers for the the first year and their numbers were up 40%. 40% increase in fountain sales. And we don't have uh, fountains in the meal. So, John, they, is there
2: plans to make swamp pop into a fountain drink? Not <laughs> soon. Now you've heard that. Only well, we
1: should. Yeah. Um. It's,
3: there's a there's a complicated process to the to the fountains, but you know I want to make a point about um the way our culture has changed over. You know, at the beginning you said for two hundred years we we have this culinary heritage, but one thing that's changed in the last century for sure is our way of life, not just here but everywhere, has, has become gradually more sedentary. And the the culinary traditions that we have here are a lot of times traditional from a time when people were extremely active every day. Um, And we just aren't really that way for whatever reason, generally not that way anymore. But we love these culinary traditions. We don't want them to go away. Um, So that's where some of the tension Uh, comes in between what's in our food what's in our drinks and what our lifestyle is we've turned to our food and our beverages to solve a problem that was caused in in another area of our lives Um, so you know we have to be we have to be careful and conscious of that but our our way of living has certainly changed too Um, so you know that's why we say don't drink it every day it's a treat um, but it's, Neil is kind of saying the same the same yeah. thing. But these traditions come from another time, and we don't want to let them go. And we going shouldn't.
2: against the grain's never been a bad marketing plan for anybody.
1: No, without a doubt. <laughs>
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with John Peterson from Swamp Pop and Neil Onabane from Crispy Crunchy Foods. What is it? So both of you... You knew the tastes were very popular here. How have people outside of Acadiana, outside of Louisiana, why do they love what you do?
1: Well, for us, um, as we moved away from Louisiana, you know, you have the question are people going to get it? Are people going to Did you make it less doing?
2: spicy when you went next <laughs> They you?
1: asked that question, and we said, we tell them, it's not hot, it's spicy. There's a big difference. And so, you know, we had some products on the, on the menu like boudin balls that we had to rename when we got outside of Louisiana. And what did
2: you rename them?
1: Boudin bites.
2: Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> I thought you renamed the other part, but okay, that makes sense. Well, yeah, right. I can tell you something off the record here.
1: <laughs> a little lady walked into a store and she saw boudin balls. She said, What kind of animal is a boudin? Ball? <laughs> So oh, that's great. Uh, uh, but, but, you know, the, the, the whole Cajun craze nationwide made it very easy, if you notice in our, our tagline, crispy crunchy chicken Cajun recipe. It says everything you need. To say. And that's now, some,
2: worldwide now, people recognize worldwide. Cajun so food. So people
1: now are accepting and realizing, and we get it all the time, do you have a mild version? Hey, it's not hot, it's mild, it's flavorful our fastest growing market is california of all places you would not think new york in the northeast is a huge market for us
2: so have you had to adapt to anything going into i know you're going into malaysia and mexico and then into egypt and india
1: well yes the 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 difficulty there is running offense making sure that all of the things that you're doing you have to the supply chain is totally different in these other, other markets in these other countries. So the supply chain changes, and we have to locate all of the various suppliers. I mean, you don't have a broadline distributor like Cisco or Doyle Foods or any of these.
2: And you people. don't your chicken is never frozen. Is never that correct?
1: frozen. Absolutely never frozen. So, um, and we've we've actually done a lot of, uh, of, of research with Tyson to extend shelf life, things like that, so that not only does it affect the distribution, because it's supposed to, having to be there twice a week, now they can distribute once a week because of shelf life. We've extended
3: shelf life. I'm
2: always fascinated by the things companies will not compromise on. Yours is never freezing. John, is yours glass bottles? Because that must be so much heavier.
3: Not necessarily. I mean, I think if the things that we won't compromise on compromise on Louisiana sugar will always be has to be cane sugar Um, natural flavors natural colors those are our things that were kind of the line in the sand glass bottles um, will probably always do I'm not opposed to other kinds of packaging particularly now that recycling of glass is, is really plummeted in recent years so it's not necessarily the the eco choice that it used to be anymore there's a nostalgia to it that we like some people say they like the taste better there's something
2: more special. It feels like it's not about the quantity, then it's about the quality. Yeah, it's
3: a little, and I mean, it's a little bit of an experience too. If, if um, you know, if you bring home um, Coca-Cola in glass bottles, it's a different experience than Coca-Cola in cans. It's Everything just a little yesterday. bit of, a, yeah. I thought it
1: was better. <laughs> I did.
3: And you know, really, when we when we started, part of the the impetus was my partner Collins' uh, lunch business was moving a lot of. Uh, Mexican cane sugar sodas, yes. um, and Even those they are get all, in about a that's all in, Yeah, yeah. that's all in glass bottles, so you know, there's that.
2: Neil and John, this is part of the show that we call Another Great Idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got that great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or that great investment opportunity you should jump on now. You can take advice like this and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great. Or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had that great idea for you? Did you take their advice and how did it turn out?
1: Well, for me, I mean, there's a bunch of things that have happened and it's hard to separate it from business because it all ends up tying back into the business that you're in. I guess the simplest rule of thumb is if you take, if you, if, if, if you take no for an answer, the, no, the answer is going to be no. So when we, you know, as you're growing and as an entrepreneur and you're trying to feed, you know, work through the minefield of, of a new concept or something that has no precedent, no training manual like you guys are doing, you know, you're going to run into all kinds of obstacles, as I did. And, you know, figuring out, and and I can't tell you, and this is kind of a flip of what you're asking, but I can't tell you how many people said, oh, well, like the guy at at Tyson, you gotta do 25,000 pounds for one run. I'm doing, oh no. (laughs) Well, okay, we dealt with, so I went and started dealing with that, you know? The guy that, you know, was working for a distributor said, you know, Neil. I mean, you're a good guy and all of that, but this is not going <laughs> to work. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm doing okay on that. You know that. You know everybody has a. We all have great teachers that we remember and love, right? But you always got that one teacher that you just can't get a, get, get along with, right? I got a couple of those. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and and that that you know in the sixth grade. I mean, this is a tender time of your life. This woman just didn't like me for some reason, and she said, "You know, you'll never amount to a hill of beans." And I'm doing, wow, oh, maybe not. But I said, I'm going to, and it changed my life. It changed my life. Because when she said that, I, I spent the rest of my life proving her wrong.
2: I think you may have <laughs> proved her wrong by now. I
1: wish she was alive.
2: <laughs> we could talk
3: about You know, that's a fork in a road that can go two different directions. That says something about you that you, you took it that way. You know, I think that's, that's.
1: You know, and when you say that, there was a, a, another gentleman that's a, a, a CEO of a big company in the U.S., and, um, you know, we're all, you know, we, we take credit for what's happened, but look, along the way, you know, you have, we have so many incredible people on our team that do so many amazing jobs. I mean, from the trainers where the rubber meets the road and relationships and, you know, they go to stores and train for a week and they get, they throw a party for them when they leave, you know, they love them. But the reality is and all of those things have been said when you talk about the fork in the road you know we head down a path and so i give them the credit but and this guy said you can give them all the credit you want But he said give them 80 percent of the credit but you got to take 20 because when you got to that fork in the road and you went right if you'd have gone left you'd have fallen off a cliff and then you get to the next fork and the same thing happens so you got to and sometimes there's no clear answer. Mm-hmm. that's, that's it rarely is. Your, abi- your ability as an entrepreneur kicks in and you make, the, you make a lot of wrong decisions, but you make enough right decisions to bring it to the next level. Yeah.
2: John, what great advice did you listen to or not listen to?
3: Um,
1: you know, my, the, the
3: man who gave me my first job in high school um, was a smart entrepreneur and, a, and an interesting guy. He used to say every day, stack it deep and sell it cheap. And that's, yeah. I don't what know if I, he, stack he, it deep and sell it cheap. I mean, every day, it was like his motto. And I, I, I still laugh about that sometimes. I don't, I don't know if I listened or didn't listen to that. But it was the first thing that came to mind when you, when you said that. Um, but, you know, what really sticks with me, and I, I wish I could remember who said it or where I heard it, but it ties into what, what you said, Neil, which is the definition of an entrepreneur isn't someone who owns a business. An entrepreneur is someone who makes things happen. Um, so, you know, I think about that anytime I'm, I'm avoiding an important call that needs to be made because I'm afraid of what the answer is going to be. Mm-hmm. I remember that and say, just because you, you started this, just because you're running this doesn't make you an entrepreneur. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to pick up the phone and make this call and not take no for an answer, do the hard thing that has to happen next. Um, So I try to keep that in mind all the time.
2: That's good advice. And as as much as we plan our businesses, there are always outside factors that influence them. So Neil, do gas prices affect chicken sales? And John, does the weather affect your sales?
1: Well, the weather affects our sales more than anything. I mean, people are gonna eat no matter what. But weather, you know, like we've had all of this freezing weather in the last few weeks and uh, being from the in the convenience store business we, we we watched i mean i was such a weather freak all my life because i knew what would happen when we had a rainy day you know the construction guys would go home early you know and not stop in to get their beer so the weather back.
2: affects more than gas prices
1: way more than gas prices absolutely Gas price is probably more of a long-term effect.
2: But there's more convenience stores attached to gas stations because...
1: But then now we have the delivery services which are helping us with weather issues because people have a tendency to stay at home when the weather's bad, but the delivery guys are out there bringing it to them. So we're encouraging our operators to do the various uh, um, apps, delivery apps. do
2: you... Look at your projections for the year and just hope for the hottest summer in the world.
3: <laughs> we kind of do because the sales are definitely stronger in, in the summer. I mean that's when people want to drink a cold soda. But we have to be worried about cold too because soda can freeze and it expands and it'll explode in a, gla- in a glass bottle. So there's some we have to think about that too on just on the supply chain side. I, mean, I can't send a, 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 a truck full of soda across the country in freezing temperatures. Um, I have to wait for little windows of good weather. to to send them places. So that was an unexpected and interesting element of of shipping liquid around the country. As
2: we move into the 21st century, we're discovering that the creativity that gave us our unique culture over the last couple of hundred years is matched by the creativity of our current generations in business. Neil and John, crispy, crunchy foods, swamp pop, and your Acadiana-style family passion for both of these companies are success stories we continue to be proud of congratulations on your already impressive achievements and we wish you even greater success in the future thank you so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch
1: thanks thank you Aileen
2: my guests on Out to Lunch today have been have been Neil Honor Bain founder of Crispy Crunchy Foods and John Peterson co-founder of Swamp Pop you can find out more about Neil's chicken and John's soda by following the links on our websites krbs.org and itsacadiana.com the producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researcher is Anne Christian. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs88.7fm. I'm Mailin Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week. Week around the table here at Cafe Vermilionville for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner, with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music Encore, Monsieur Nice Guy is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escudet. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for Acadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.